three, four, coming around, here we go. I'm Jazzy, and I do everything my wife said. <laughs> Hi, I'm, F oh, and I'm Fred, and I collaborate with my wife. <laughs> and the hillbilly isn't sure what he's doing with his wife, other than saying, whatever, Mary. <laughs> Very good. Very good. That was excellent, team. All right. So today's episode, okay. if we are so bold to call it that, is about food and diet. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, Jazzy, why don't you tell us about the most exotic food available? <laughs> the most exotic food. Well, I... Um, I uh, grew up with uh, lots of home-cooked uh, dals, uh, like soup, lentils, and mung beans, and the whole thing, and, and lots of uh, vegetables, uh, potatoes, cauliflower, squash, and uh, chapatis, which are uh, uh, a wheat flour flatbread, and, uh, and some chicken um once in a while usually once a week or so and that was that was the main diet uh, it, um once in a while we'd get some tin tinned food like baked beans and and the what like um but mostly the the thought was that the more natural the the food and the closer to the source as opposed to it being processed, was uh, was the way to go. Although um, we did uh, we did have our we didn't have McDonald's, you know, when I was growing up in England at all. But um, in England, you did get you got milk every morning, uh, which was one of the things uh, Margaret Thatcher took away from the schools. She she used to be the one who was. She's the milk bandit because she took the milk away when she was the education minister or whatever it was. And then uh, you get a you got a a good lunch. We used to call it dinner. You got a good dinner, which was um, um, you know a bit of meat and uh, potatoes and vegetables, just just plain boiled and stuff. And they used to be the dinner ladies. And uh, that used to help the uh, my parents from picking me up and taking me home. And uh, I got a I got a I got a cool dinner story, <laughs> which was I mean I must have been six or seven, and uh, Joanne. See, all, all the white kids used to have really rosy cheeks, and I used to tell my mom, you know, I want to have really rosy cheeks. But anyway, we, so we used to have dinner, and this girl, Joanne, she used to sit across from me, because you, you have your round table and all the kids sit, and she used to take her food and throw it under the table, like, all the time. A bad girl. Yeah, and and I, I didn't, I, I used to eat mine up, except I, I didn't like the beef stew because of all the gristle and the bones, so I didn't used to eat that. 
And then um, the headmistress, headmaster, headmistress, principal, uh, came along. Her name was Mrs. Careless. And um, they they wanted to know who, who threw all the food and the, the table every day. And this is like I'm six or seven years old. And Joanne looked at me because I used to watch her as she used to throw all the food down. And she said, he did it, pointing to me. Oh, I, I was guilty, Miss Careless. She took the stew, the bone, the gristle. She force-fed me while I was bawling my eyes out. <laughs> and there's a How old were you? How old were you? I was like six or seven. Six or seven. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I guess in those days you could do that sort of stuff and get away with it. <laughs> Good British yeah, discipline. Yeah, and so it, it, it um, yeah, so I used to eat all my beef, stew, gristle, bone, you know, try to leave as little as possible. And then a, a little bit later, this, the food kept showing up under the dinner table. I said, it's my plate, you know. And um, one of the dinner ladies also backed me up and she said, she, yeah, she also saw Joanne. Uh, throw food under the table. And then Johan said something like, but I didn't throw the meat. I didn't throw the meat. I can't remember what happened, but I, I mean, I, I didn't get in trouble because I was cleaning my my plate, but I, I still remember that. <laughs> so, you know, that's part of my uh, psyche or personality or characteristic, whatever effect it had from being falsely accused and having to deal with the consequences. Wow. So what and did you, you guys remember do? her name, Jaswant. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I used to remember her last name, too, because when we went to secondary school, she came, she came to the same school. And, um, uh, I, you know, I, I, I never went and confronted her about what she's going to do. After so many years and stuff, so yeah, yeah. Jim, what did your Jimmy feed you when you were a little tyke? Uh, this was in uh, Edmonton, Alberta, northern Canada, probably the most northern Canadian city. Um, lots of farming around. So my grandfather was sort of a health food guy, but he didn't buy health food. He grew gar his garden and stored his food. And so a lot of it was kind of like jazz vegetables, boiled vegetables, um, uh, meat, meat every night, pretty much. Uh, roast beef every Sunday and good meat. My dad bought good, real good meat and Alberta had good meat. So it was good food and my mom made good desserts, but it was, uh, it was excellent food. My mom made my lunch all the way through university. She made sandwiches for me for lunch. <laughs> so I was very lucky to eat real well. I didn't like fat, so my sister and my dad used to humiliate me and, and go like, look at that, look at the meat on that freaking piece. And they'd eat it and stare me down and you know, and I was always pretty skinny and they'd be hammering me and so I did get some humiliation too just but um okay. but yeah potatoes and vegetables were a good part of it and you know it's 
that's a good part of our diet now as well, you know, and a little less meat, but um, it was, it was good, you know, but the boiled thing was nice to replace with a little bit of uh, sauteing and other things, eh? But it was a good base to come out to the world and find other foods because everything else was more interesting and exotic. So that that's that's kind of it. I didn't revert like Jazz to becoming a, a health. He's a bit of a health food freak too now. So I don't know if that was from Miss Careless treatment of him, but <laughs> but I'll eat just about anything now. And now I'm eating every morning omelet. Uh, uh, tomato, zucchini, uh, onion, omelet. Oh my God. It's like, oh, it's a little soy sauce and hot sauce. Oh my God. I just, and I got another three months left of that probably with the tomato. So that's kind of my highlight of the year. And, uh, but Mary likes to eat too. So she's a good cook. So I'm, I'm pretty lucky that way. And that's, that's the end of my little story. Uncle Freddy's. I was raised very differently than you all. My mom didn't even give me breast milk. My mom gave me formula oh. is what it was called because I was a child uh, born in 61. My mom being who she was and my dad being who, she, who he was um, were all about the new way of eating. So for me, the, my parents bought into the idea that man-made, chemically fortified breast milk, that's not breast milk, was better than breast milk. So I... Oh, you, you, yeah, frozen bread. Yeah, 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 I know. Hold on. Am I back? You're back. Yeah. yeah. We, we're we're stopped at breast milk. Yeah, I'll start over. <laughs> which is a lovely little spot to, to remain. Yeah, I'll start over. So, so I'll go... And I don't get a message, like... I get the message. So something's yeah, I don't, going on. I with don't the get a... Yeah, I can't tell you what it is. It's just the way things. Okay, are. just keep going. All right. So I was so, raised in the nuclear age. Yeah. So, so your parents both. In... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> your, your parents bought into the idea in 1961. <laughs> yeah, that that man-made things are better than nature. So. Ah. So chemically enhanced milk, substituting for mother's breast milk was one example. Uh, processed foods, TV dinners. Um, my father loved bologna and chopped ham. I don't know if that even exists anymore. Or Lebanon bologna, which was a specific to Pennsylvania, which is a kind of spiced bologna. So we were raised on hot dogs, craft macaroni and cheese foods, frozen foods, um, cake mixes with the, you know, wow. Betty Crocker cake mix. You know, here's the cake mix. You add water, milk and sugar and off you go. Right. And my parents uh, wow. thought it, they were doing exactly what modern parents of the 1960s and 70s should be doing, which is, mm -hmm. you know, feeding us the things that, you know, we always had the four, la the four layers, you know, the dairy, the meat, the vegetables, and, you know, the food pyramid was very much a front in front of my mom's mm -hmm. way of doing things, but it was always with processed ingredients. Mm -hmm. And my father, 
in those years was the manager of an A and P grocery store. Ah. So we would benefit not fresh vegetables or anything always you know from the A&P store right so we never really experienced like the farmers markets of today or like Jim and Jazz want you all having parents that were you know clear about the idea of fresh vegetables right mm -hmm. so now that my father mm -hmm. did like uh, fresh tomatoes and fresh corn on the cob. So occasionally a treat would be like to go to a roadside farm, buy a bunch of tomatoes and corn and go home and boil the corn and slice up the tomatoes and fry some hamburgers. Mm -hmm. And that would be it. My younger mm -hmm. sister's still very angry at the way we were fed. She holds it against my uh -huh. dog. We were given hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and canned, you know, one of the, well, I'll tell you one dish. This would be an spam. example of my, we did spam, not much, but we did do spam. My mother would make this dish with crap. So it would be, it would be like Kraft macaroni and cheese and tuna. So she would make a box of Kraft macaroni and cheese and put tuna in the base of the casserole dish with mayonnaise. So tuna mayonnaise, layer one. Layer two mm. would be Kraft macaroni and cheese. And layer three would be like American cheese squares that aren't, again, really cheese on top. The lunch. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Very exciting. You know, I don't, I don't think I've ever had Kraft macaroni. And uh, I mean, right at the moment, those are two food groups I don't eat. The, the pasta, wheat pasta, and dairy. So, so tell us about that, Jazz. What your, your, how are you maneuvering through food stuff in, in, in the present day? Why don't you, that would be great to hear yeah. why you don't eat cheese and, 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 and pasta. Yeah, so um, I guess mostly my, my food is still... Um, similar to what I has, had as a child, although we now use, uh, for me anyway, we use uh, a, a blend of sorghum and rice flour to make the chapatis, so it's not wheat, because uh, uh, wheat gluten does not agree with me, uh, nor dairy, nor chickpeas. Um, but, uh, I mean, I used to, I used to love chickpeas and I used to love sponge cake and all the sweet stuff. And we used to get sponge cake with custard in England. <laughs> and, you know, even now I still like the smell of it, but, uh, I just, uh, I can't have it. It just uh, interferes, uh, basically plugs up my uh, digestive system and um and then it takes a while to get through so there's um a couple of um symptoms which i see when it's going um one is uh i'll, I'll wake up in the middle of the night with a pain in my gut region stomach region i mean i don't but i'll just wake up it's not like a severe, severe pain, but you know, it, it's a pain. So you feel it and it wakes you up. 
And then um, another thing is right on my elbows, right here, I'll sometimes get a bit of edema, uh, but just the skin will start to. It's pretty good at the moment, so I know I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty good with my digestion. But it, it does make a problem when you're, you're out and about somewhere and you have to eat something. So I have to be very careful. And then you read, like, you can't just keep eating rice because it's got lots of starch and it's very carbohydrate. But often when, when we're out, there's not much else to eat. So I have to maneuver around it. And another thing I found is to be very clear with the with the folks at the restaurant because everything is hidden so even though they they have soups and sauces and stuff and say yeah yeah no flour in there but you know they don't know unless they look at the package because the 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 sauces and stuff that they cook with they just come processed and they, and they come packaged up just like that and so you know they can quite honestly say no we didn't put any flour in there but they did they didn't look at the package may i drop in for a second as a person who has traveled with uncle jaswan a few times and i when i come out of here i'm always looking for chinese japanese you know indian and all different exotic foods and jazz is like straight to denny's because he knows that they've got out of the food kind of profiled properly, eh? So it's, yeah. it's a bit of an issue for me. I, I I understand it's health is more important than my than my palate being pleased, but it's it's an issue for sure. And your but, need for uh, exotic working, foods, Jim. Yeah, but you know anything that's not Canadian American kind of right is exotic. Well, Denny's always. Just, um, I, I don't go there. I only ever go there when I'm traveling or on the highway. Bless you. Because I, 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 I can have the eggs and bacon breakfast and uh, potatoes as long as they don't have uh, you know, any, any flour in them. So it's just a, a staple sort of thing. And, you know, there's always a Denny's around. <laughs> but otherwise... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the the restaurants are getting a little bit better with profiling what has what in there, and there's lots of some restaurants have gluten-free menus and such like. So, did you self-diagnose this, or was this like a medical situation where you had to go to the doctor and they figured out why your body was reacting the way it was? Um, it was. Uh, Actually, it was, um, and, and uh, I just had a pasta dinner, and I just, I do, I'd eaten a little bit, and I just sat down and went, ah, right. And she said, you should see if you're allergic to flour, uh, to, it could be the gluten, because that's exactly what my son used to look like after he ate. And he went to went to a doctor, and they diagnosed. So I did go go to some some doctors, and uh, my uh, family doctor GP, I guess. Uh, he said he, he he did the blood test on me, and he said, "No, we we don't really find anything that shows that you're allergic to it." But he also said, "You know, if it, it makes you feel shitty, then you know, 
don't need it. <laughs> so he, he was supportive of it that way. The 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 problem is we we everybody knows that, right? Everybody knows if it makes you feel shitty, it's it's not good for you. But we don't um equate feeling tired after eating as feeling shitty because we think, oh yeah, it's because I've had a good meal as opposed to it being uh not good for you, you know, because I mean in, in essence when you eat you should like you should have lots of energy. You should be, you know, good to go and it shouldn't make you feel sleepy or tired. Yeah, so it was sort of self-diagnosed with a bit of lots of experimenting. So I, I even now I still experiment. Every once in a while, I'll I'll, I'll uh, have some dairy and try it and use enzyme capsules because you can get enzymes uh, for digesting that stuff. So you know I'll, I'll I'll take a chance here and there, but usually I'm. I've always come back to to the food restrictions and cut out. I won't go on it for any extended period of time. And Jim, what do you uh, in your in these years that you're living, or in have you transformed mom and dad's ways to fit your life, or is it pretty much carried through to be similar? Well, it because I'm a diabetic, they, there's a diabetic diet, which is basically a balanced diet. So, which is, actually, you know, you get vegetables, you get fruit, you get protein, you get carbohydrates. And as a, as a working uh, hillbilly, carbohydrates are necessary for fuel more than anything else. But now I'm cutting back on the carbohydrates quite a bit. But um, basically, like I said, Mary loves to eat more than anybody I've ever met. So I, I go along with it. And she's a, she's a good cook. And a lot of it is sort of hippie food that's been, you know, uh, modified. And then we got the big garden. So it's pretty much the same as when I was a kid, except for the meat. We don't have, we have chicken once a week. And, um, uh, but we don't have as much, but I'm getting these beautiful prime ribs, actual ribs from the grocery store and nearby. They just started putting them out like about three or four bucks for these large ribs, hardly any meat on them, but it's just like, oh my God, it's like unbelievable, you know, fat, like rich, rich, rich food. So that's been a lovely little add-on for me, and uh, but other than that, I'm I'll eat anything really. Um, I'm having to be careful now that I'm sitting around because my blood sugars go too high. I'm not working anything off, so and a lot of my diet is is around diabetes, which is a good diet. It's 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 good for everybody. So yeah, I mean it's much the same as when I was a kid. I I think. But I'm brave, so I'll eat just about uh, Jazz's. When I first met Jazz, his mom and wife didn't speak English, so our relationship was over me loving their food. So they, they really liked me because I ate everything and I acknowledged the joy in it. And so, you know, they were just tickled pink. And then the achar that I got, a pickle, was the 
the cream of the crop that was what i really got to like so i still have a jar of a char in the fridge when i need to get straightened out that that just about <laughs> <happened>. <laughs> Very good. and you fred how are you now Ooh, what a journey but never not too much of it from my wishes so um I mean, in university, I survived on Kraft macaroni and cheese and hot dogs because, you know, I only had $20 to, to buy a month's worth of groceries. And it's very efficient. Right. But the first my yeah. first wife was a vegetarian, which was just shocking to my family. <laughs> <laughs> what? What do you do on Thanksgiving? All indignant and curious at the same time, you know? And so she was a vigilant and aggressive vegetarian. Aggressive, yes. And so I wasn't, when we were dating, I wasn't allowed to kiss her if I had eaten any meat that day. Whoa! Did you eat meat? Yeah. Well, then you're not kissing me. <laughs> wow. Oh, Freddie. So That's hilarious. This is what I mean by things were sort of taken out of my hands. So I became a vegetarian for a year or two and learned to read labels like Jaswan. I'm very aware of the fact that because of uh, my wife's vigilance, she would read every label on every can and every package to see if there was additives that were not were from from animals right we were we ate cheese but you know there was this it was too early and it wasn't time for vegans but she was on her way in that direction right no leather clothing all that sort of so i went <laughs> a few years of buying non-animal products and non tested on animals was super important to her um, all that stuff and I became a label reader because she taught me that there's a lot of stuff in the food that you're not told <laughs> so good for her on that but also like a vegetarian against my will there's so there's very little things more embarrassing in the 1980s to pull into a Burger King and tell them you want a meatless Whopper just <laughs> That's very, for me, it was absolutely absurd and humiliating, but we did that, you know, that was what she was like, I want a meatless Whopper and you know, you can't have any meat. So, okay. So we went from there. When she left, I went right back to the meat, right? Because I was never against it. I thought meat tasted quite fine, actually. Um, and I didn't have a moral problem with it. Um, then, as you know, we met the man who brought us together because of my <laughs> fervent need to be a good student, I adopted in my sort of you know lifestyle. I followed the diet very seriously. Right. And yeah. I cut onions, which my father didn't eat. So that wasn't really a problem. Cut uh, garlic, which my father didn't eat. So that wasn't a problem. So I never had been exposed to like dishes that were based on onion or garlic. That was never in my diet. Like my dad thought, Jim, my dad thought an exotic food was rice. I never was served rice as a child. <laughs> never, never. And my mom, who's a little more adventurous, would say, well, you eat it. And then two minutes, then 10 minutes later, you're hungry again. All, all like, well, then why would you eat it if you're going to be hungry again in 10 minutes? 
That's good, buddy. So I went very hardcore into the diet. And also I was a perfumer in those days, right? So the idea of cleaning up my senses to sensitive, making my sensitivities more sensitive was super important. So mm -hmm. when I cut the garlic purposely, like even though I didn't cook with it, you know, like you go to the restaurant, you're like, no, 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 no garlic in here, right? Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> and I did notice like my sense of smell, like became much more powerful or sensitive or strong or whatever verb, uh, adjective, whatever works, right? And I could smell, I would be in a bar, right? And I could smell people like, oh my God, they're like a walking garlic, you know? So I was super appreciative of the cleanliness, the cleaning that I got from that diet, right? And I, I still, it still kind of guides my choices today, but I'm living in Spain. And so escaping onion is impossible and marrying is <laughs> onion necessity, a necessity in life. Um, so I've always been aware, but never very vigilant or never very serious. I went through a phase where uh, ginger ale was like my medicine. So I would have a, a can of ginger ale or a bottle of ginger ale. And if I had an upset stomach, I would drink ginger ale and it worked. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm very much from where, that's why I was asking you the question, Jaswant, because I, I learned from that diet where it just cleaned me right out, right? Mm -hmm that then I was able to restart, rebegin, and say, oh, that makes me feel crappy. I'm not gonna eat that anymore. But before that, I didn't have the sensitivity to know that made me feel crappy. Mm -hmm. So then I sort of became more self-directed in what worked for me and what didn't, and like had to trust mm -hmm. that the food was organic and you know not too full of chemicals. And so I, 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 I did spend the extra money to get stuff that was free. But, you know, I also don't believe what the packaging tells me either, you know. Grass-fed yeah. beef, how do I know, right? Only three more dollars yeah. per pound. So I felt both yeah. a little bit tricked and I, I didn't have the, the uh, I couldn't verify that the food I was buying was free of mass production, right? And I, so I looked for those sorts of things, but since moving here to Spain and having a big garden and knowing that everything here is, is right from, it's very local. It's all local. The beef is local. The pork is local. The chickens are local. The Turkey, which we get once a year has to come in from the North of Spain because turkeys don't exist where we live. And malign so much too, in many cultures like India or the Muslim people, they don't eat meat, right? Jewish people. I yeah, Jews, Jews and the Muslims, and, and what I heard is that even when you cook the pig meat, the the parasites within it can survive. I mean, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I mean, that's what I've read. I, I don't know if that's like yeah. true and to what extent that's true. I don't I mean, know at all. Who knows anymore, right? We just live in a virtual world. <laughs>